Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber, powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. All right, welcome back to another episode of Search Talk Live. I'm your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber of Roar Internet Marketing. Matt, how's our, how are you? I'm doing well, man. We had a couple cool days here in Central Florida. Oh, that was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, we were able to take our uh, SPF down from 70 to 60 on our sunscreen there. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. But I'm back up to 70 again. Yeah. Um, guys, today we are going – I wanted to share something with you. I've been doing a, about a six-week test now with some, some uh, FAQ pages. And I found that – and this is very simple for you to do, and I hope you content writers out there are listening, but this may be helpful. I have found that if you embellish the question – so, like, let's say how – here's an, just a bad example, but how high is Mount Everest? Well, when you answer the question, you say, well, Mount Everest is blah, 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 you know. Or anytime you ask or have the question – embellish that question with the answer include the question in the answer right include the words that are in the question and the answer correct and i have seen a, a, a big bump with that and uh just wanted to share that <laughs> and the bump that you're seeing is you're seeing that show up more on position zero in the knowledge yes panel? yes okay yes. Uh, i think it's just maybe kind of added yeah you know i think a lot of folks kind of throw away their faqs yeah meaning they don't spend a lot of time on them and you know we always look at faqs as SAQs should ask questions. They're kind of selling opportunities. But now I think we have to look at them in the way that you're suggesting, which is they might be organic ranking vehicles in the knowledge graph Mm -hmm. if we construct them correctly. Exactly. And, you know, with the recent reviews, snippets leaving are are gone for service-oriented businesses, you got to find other avenues and schema to, you know, like your, your... your thumbnails and all the other stuff that you can mark up to to get to show up in the results to get more real estate on the SERP. Correct. Yeah. Because a lot of folks' real estate went away with this last update. Yeah. yeah. And and you get there's a I mean there's huge studies done that you know any any variation of a search result you're going to get a better click through rate. So you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's get on to the show today. Our guest today we are going to be talking with Keith Good. He is the SEO strategist at IBM. Are you the head of SEO strategy, Keith? I am not. No, <laughs> I'm uh, I am one of a, a, a quite large uh, a, a large team of really awesome people uh, and our uh, our boss is Ellen Mamadoff. Oh, okay. And she's great. Nice. Is she and listening she- to the show? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know. I, I would say that That's even cool. if she wasn't, but I don't, I don't believe she is listening to the show. Well, welcome to the yet. show. This Thank is you. your what fourth, third, third or fourth time, right? I believe it's my third time. Yeah. Third time, yes, yes. I think Keith is one of the most prolific trainers and speakers that we get to have on the show. He is everywhere. Yeah, I, I met him actually. I mean, we've known each other for a while, but I first time face to face was in PubCon in Vegas, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and then we met again in, in Florida. And, uh, yep. Yeah. In Miami. So it's, uh, but, uh, it, 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 it's a great industry to get out and about and meet some really awesome people. Yeah. So, Keith, what did you want to share with our guest today? Oh, uh, winning lottery numbers. So, <laughs> <I'm> kidding. 
<laughs> well, I've got a good place for you to start, if you don't mind, Keith. You have a very popular framework uh, that simplifies SEO. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of yeah. people that sample the show to kind of get their feet wet in SEO mm-hmm. on that. And that would be great if – and I know you don't have the visuals that you usually use. Uh, but maybe if you could take just a couple seconds and walk through that framework that you have for understanding SEO. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's not just a, a framework for understanding SEO, but it's also a framework for actually building out uh, how you strategize toward a, a good SEO solution for your company. Uh, and if you and if you really want to check it out, I've, I've probably promoted it at length on my website, keithgood.com. Um, but the uh, the idea behind it is is that well it, and there's it goes by a couple of names. One uh, that I, I initially used was uh, the URA SEO um, framework, which is usability, relevance, and authority. At IBM, we call it the three C's of SEO, which is crawlability, content, and credibility. Uh, with the foundation of that pyramid, it's basically in the shape of a pyramid. But the foundational tier is the crawlability aspect, which means that your site is technically sound, you have optimized your page speeds, your server load times, you've, uh, you've optimized the way that you've coded the pages um, so that it doesn't take you know 15 to 20 seconds to load a page. Um, and then you've, you've basically prepared yourself for whatever technical advent uh, may happen. Because, you know, I, I like to think about the future a lot. And I think about... Um, when the internet really, really hit the consumer market back in mid-90s, so 1994 or so, um, this was like nothing we'd ever seen before. And I, I, wonder, I wonder how many businesses are ready for the next thing, the next big thing that comes along. And we don't know what it is yet. Um, but if you're not ready for it, um, you're just going to fall behind very quickly. So you know, one of the things you have to have is a very good, solid technical foundation. On that bottom tier is built um, a solid user experience and relevant content. So your relevancy is related to how well you've thought about your users, how you've thought about what they need and what they want, and how you've written about whatever it is you offer as a company in relation to that. So it really goes with the user first. But it, then it translates into good quality content, and whether that's written or whether that's video or podcast uh, recordings is really dependent upon the user themselves. And then finally, sort of the apex of the pyramid is the credibility or the authority side of uh, SEO, which I, I consider this tier to be sort of the least controlled aspect of SEO. In other words, um, this is the earned aspect of the pyramid. Uh, this is your external links. This is your social metrics. These are the social shares. This is how people outside of your site are talking about your content and about your company. Uh, and of course, you know, obviously there are people out there that spend a lot of time building external links and, and um, you know, sometimes unfortunately buying external links. And sure, you can you can sort of fake your way through uh, authority and credibility. Uh, this is not something that we focus on at IBM. We focus on building the technology that people need and then b- building the site in a way that you know, addresses that need. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on them to, to sort of promote our content um, and, and our services via links and social shares. So that's the framework that we work within, and that's how we really focus our efforts. You know, I, I thought uh, it was I a great on the, framework because yeah, it allowed yeah. me to look at um, SEOs because, you know, 
Robert, you hit all three C's, right? I mean, you're competent in all three of those. But as I think about people that I know, they're really strong in the crawlability, a lot of good technical SEOs out there. I meet other people who are really good on the content side. They're good writers. And then I meet other people who have got that kind of credibility, link building, and then off-page expertise of SEO. And so with Keith's platform, if I'm a business owner, I'm kind of listening to that and going, okay, who do I need on my team? It would be ideal if I could get a Robert. But if I can't get a Robert, I got to get a credibility person, I got to get a crawlability person, and I got to get a content person that kind of visualize it. Do you kind of agree with that as you can look at the platform in terms of people, not only strategies? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have, without people, you... But you can, <laughs> you you can see those strengths yeah, in different yeah. people, right? In different SEOs, they kind of, yeah. yeah. they seem to really gravitate towards there's, one of those three areas. Yeah, there's definitely a, a centered strength. There's yeah. not a, you know, unless someone has been in the business for a long time and kind of go as the service is needed, they kind of force themselves to learn it yeah but, i mean that's that's how i started i mean yeah i think the toughest of the, those c's keith is content yeah. and and for me it's tough that as i watch people because i think we still have people who want to sell and not service mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. therefore they're yeah. not tuned in to the users that that you're speaking of keith what's a what's a good piece of advice to get business owners aligned with what users want rather than that instinctive impulse they have to tell how great their business is. <laughs> well, we, we, we are quite the arrogant um, species, I think. That, you know, I, I've always been, um, been told the advice that uh, you, you should always learn someone's name and how to pr- pronounce it correctly uh, because the number one most favorite word in anyone's vocabulary is their own name. And so if you go up to someone, you know, uh, someone and you call them um, a slightly off version of their name, they're going to be more offended than if you call them by the right name. So, you know, it's it's the same way with the way people run businesses. And and to your point, as it relates to the 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 credibility, if I was you know going to be hiring a team, um, I I would I would focus first on the technical aspect of it, and then I would turn the content over to the SMEs, the the subject matter experts within the company. Um, and, and and sort of teach them how to write in a way that appeals to the way users are searching for their content. Um, so you know, to to that end, um, when it comes to content and how you get people to chase the user rather than the algorithms, that's a tough one because I will admit, as an SEO who's you know I've been doing SEO for the better part of two decades at this point. And I remember distinctly giving the advice to people that they needed to produce three to four pieces of content per week, period. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you – no matter what you want to do. And I've also given the advice that you need to include as many iterations of a type of uh, – of a topic keyword as you possibly can into the content itself. I've given that advice. And I think a lot of SEOs who have been in the industry for a while have given that advice. And we've really – we're still reaping um, the whirlwind, so to speak – when it comes to that advice, you've still got people who are obsessed with pushing out as much content all the time as they possibly can. When in fact, that may not necessarily be nece- that, that may not be necessary for the users themselves. Um, and you've still got people who are writing for the search engines and not for the users. And that's really something you have to step away from. You know, anytime I see a, a, a question pop across Quora, where someone's like, uh, "How many LSI keywords should I use for my <laughs> my content?" I, I, I think you're, you're just you're chasing the wrong thing. Chase the user, not the algorithm. 
Always. That's exactly what I was going to say that before you said that, but I was going to say the minute you stop chasing the the search engines and you write quality content towards what your 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 customers or clients are looking for that's when google goes oh hey <laughs> we, right. need, we need to rank you <laughs> you're bringing you're bringing value exactly right you're ranking because you're bringing value that's a really tough turn for seos and businesses to take mm-hmm. well and and with their their most recent um you know acronym that google has come out with and they are joining the 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 league of of companies that love acronyms like IBM, uh, you know, by creating the EAT acronym, uh, the expertise, authority, and the trustworthiness, um, and they they I think they feel compelled to do this because so many people are not chasing the user, they're chasing the algorithm, and so yeah. really all aspects of of the EAT acronym are earned. They are earned because you've done what you're, you're supposed to do for the user. Uh, you you earn expertise by having expertise for one. This is why I, I very much would prefer my SMEs to write content than my content writers in many cases, or at least have the SMEs, and, uh, and I keep using that term, but the subject matter experts <laughs> be interviewed by the content writers. You know, there's nothing worse than having a content writer just look up stuff on Wikipedia, find a way to rewrite it, and put it into your copy. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing more boring than that. But if you've got someone who is at least a source of information for a piece of content, who is passionate about that particular topic and knows that technology well, it's a much more interesting read. And uh, the, the types of people that you're going to be trying to, to reach are equally passionate, or at least interested in knowing what's, what this technology can do for them. Um, so, and then the authority and the trustworthiness, well, Again, this is earned. This is all about how how well have you uh, displayed your expertise? Uh, how often can people reliably come to your website and get the answers or the products or the services that they need? Um, and if you're just a you know a day trader type of SEO where you're just interested in getting that uh, that visit and you're only worried about CPMs or maybe you're um, you're you're only interested in getting the sell and you're you know, you're okay with shutting down business afterwards if you get the sell. You probably shouldn't be in business for one. But uh, secondly, you're probably not going to do as well with the EAT algorithm. Uh, I hate to use the word algorithm, the the EAT acronym, um, as other people are. So business owners listening to the show, they've got to realize that they are the subject matter experts that Keith talks about. Here's the thing. You have subject matter experts, but they may not be writers. So, and it's different for every space, you know, if you're a lawyer, I mean, you've got to come across authoritative and not just blurt out a bunch of information. Yeah. Because people, when they come for your professional services, they want to know that you know what you're talking about. Right. So in that case. Versus a plumber. They got to get a, they have to get a writer to translate their expertise into digestible form. Right. And that has to be taught. In yeah. every space. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, yeah. let's let's talk a little about planning content. How, yeah. What's a tip for developing a content plan for someone listening to the show? And how far out do you do a content plan? I would say, you know, content planning really, um, the, the best thing you can do with content planning is try not to dive in head first, right? Don't, don't you know, um, there was the old adage, writers write always. Uh, I think that was from um, 
throw mama from the train i believe i think i think that was a line from that movie um but you know writers write always the, the thing about content planning on the other hand is you really have to take apart your your topics and you have to figure out okay how do i need to structure this in a way that mimics or at least closely aligns to the to the buyer's journey because we know uh as seos that uh you know the long tail of search graph that we've seen for decades now uh can in many ways, if, if you sort of change that uh, that x-axis to specificity rather than um, than than length of, of query, um, we we know that that closely aligns to the buyer's journey. The the head terms tend to be someone who's just sort of initially researching the topic. The body terms are maybe people who are looking for comparisons. Uh, and reviews, and then finally you get down into the try-buy aspect uh, with the long tail, and we find that um, generally speaking, someone has to perform about 12 searches in the buyer's journey before they ever start typing in brand names, mm -hmm. before they ever, ever get to the point where they're like, okay, well, you know, I, I feel fairly confident that IBM Watson has what I'm looking for, so I'm just going to type in uh, IBM Watson for customer service or something along those lines uh, before they ever, you know, you know, that's probably 12 searches into their particular buyer's journey. So as you're thinking about your topics, uh, think about it in, in relation to your keywords and what sort of keywords someone would use at the uh, initial discovery phase of their search. And what would somebody use in the body uh, for so like body keywords as it relates to the, uh, uh, the learn or the late learn phase? of their journey and then finally what what how should we write up our product pages where someone would be at the very tail end of tail end of their journey and they're probably going to be looking for brand terms um and if you can do that you can figure out what your ia or the information architecture of your site should look like it's your your site structure should mimic how people are going to be navigating through the journey uh, all the pages, of course, being accessible at whatever level, so they can, you know, be accessible by these search engines. Um, but really, that's how you really think about a content plan or a content strategy as it relates to uh, your your. Again, it's user focused. It's a hundred percent user focused. Um, don't obsess over keywords. Obsess over topics and subtopics, and then build your content accordingly. But how about for updating content? So that's a great description for somebody building a website. Awesome. Yep. But now. There's somebody listening to the show, and they've got their website in place, and they're they're saying, you know what, we've got to write about, or we want to write about particular topics that we've researched. How can we plan those out so that we have all the resources marching at the same pace at the right time? Is there a tool that they can use to create a content plan? Is there um, a, a frequency by which they should think about updating their content or providing content? Three to four times per week. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boom! When people listen to the show, <laughs> yeah. So, someone, someone just turned off the show and they just yeah. they started. To, okay, three to four times per week. That's what that's what Keith said. Um, I, I think there's it. It really does depend, and I hate to say that. This is sort of like the um, the the, the catch-all term that, that or phrase that that SEOs can use, where it sort of it depends. Um, because you might be in an industry where things are changing rapidly and, and uh, there's a lot of news related. And so, of course, your subject matter experts would be on the blogs and the news sources like SEO, for example. You know, if I was if I was building an SEO site right now, I would want to be probably producing a couple of pieces of content today alone just about the um, 
uh, latest um, the core algorithm update and, and the way that Google is talking about it and maybe some of the early signals that are coming in from something like Webmaster World uh, where people are talking about how they've been hit or how they feel like they've been affected, uh, any sort of signals that we're seeing uh, across the web, that's you know that would be something that I would I would have, and it would be a reactionary type of post to elements that are happening beyond my business's control, um, and and so again, it falls on the SMEs to sort of be up to speed about what's going on, and then having them either write it or work with a content writer to write you know blog posts as as a reaction to what's happening. Uh, within the industry, but external to their business. In addition to that, you should be thinking about ways that, you know, uh, you, you use the example of, of lawyers, for example. Um, you know, uh, I, I worked with a, a, a pretty solid immigration lawyer there in, in Miami, in Florida for a while, did some consulting work with him. And he was very, very passionate about what he was doing. And I always encouraged him to make sure you're you're looking at the news and seeing how your potential clients are going to be affected by anything coming out from a government agency like uh, like ICE or um, you know coming out from you know the president's uh, uh, press corps uh, anything coming from that you, you want to be able to react to and respond to and say hey I can help with that um, I think every industry has a has a great deal of news happening in it uh, I don't know maybe maybe not mortuaries but you know. Um, <laughs> You know, people die, so maybe they can just have more posts about uh, I don't know, um, the, the the people who've died. I, I'm not really sure, but it, this is that's getting too morbid. My point is, is that certainly <laughs> there's reactionary, but then there's also things that are related to um, just common details about the product or service that you're buying that you may not know about, and you want to expand upon that. Um, I I think I don't want to get into too many specifics because again, it does depend on the industry, uh, but I. I really think, uh, you know, it's it's all about the user and responding to whatever their needs might be um, in that particular industry. Keith, paint a picture for me. Um, you're on the enterprise level, and there's oh, not yes. there's not too many. I mean, there's there's a lot, but I mean, a lot of SEOs haven't had the opportunity to be in an enterprise. So I'd like if you could to explain, because you know, let's say IBM is massive. So I can't imagine that you handle everything, correct? I mean, is it broken <laughs> down into bite-sized chunks, so to speak, for you? Could you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right; it is a massive company, and I've and I've mostly worked with large enterprises uh, throughout my career, um, you know, including AMD and Dell. <clears throat> in addition to uh, IBM, I think we have around 360, 370 thousand employees at this point. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of potential for one person to break everything. Uh, and so, you know, obviously there are some uh, some steps that we have to take from a uh, a a core uh, what we call CHQ team to set standards across the site. And we, we sort of say, this is how you um, should write your titles. This is how you could, should construct your URLs. Um, and then the, there are other things that are related to, again, the enablement that I talked about, where we're talking to people and we are uh, building an SEO class specifically for their discipline. Um, I've often talked about holding like SEO brown bags at smaller companies, especially. And part of me regrets that, uh, to be to be frank, uh, because one of the things that we have to avoid doing as SEOs, as we are sort of enabling our minions, and uh, uh, I, I, I've used the metaphor in the past of sort of building an army 
of SEO-enabled folks who do their jobs very well in a way that is beneficial for SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you cannot try to build an army of SEOs um, in, in your company. You have to create an army of SEO-enabled writers, SEO-enabled developers, SEO-enabled uh, public relations personnel. Um, let them do their job in a way that is uh, that 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 they can enjoy, but also can do in a way that is not going to damage or it may even help SEO. Uh, so this is this is really the the day to day at IBM. Uh, first of all, is a lot of meetings. Uh, we do love our meetings. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, you know, I'm, I'm in many ways jealous of the individual agency uh, person who's able to sort of come in and work eight hours, uh, and at least six of those are, are going to be um, tactical SEO where they're you know optimizing titles and optimizing meta descriptions and you know optimizing content um, because you know I might spend two to four hours per day in meetings. Uh, where I don't get a lot of SEO done. Mm-hmm. So my goal at IBM is not necessarily to do that, though. In fact, our team is moving away from tactical SEO as much as we can and to the point where we're enabling people uh, at the copywriter level, at the development level, to do their jobs right um, and to sort of encourage folks to sort of keep SEO top of mind when they start a project or when they have an idea. So if somebody, some developer discovers React JS or something like that, mm-hmm. we want them to go, this is really awesome. We really want to use this. Let's talk to the SEO guys and figure out how we can do this in a way that isn't going to hurt SEO. Nice. Uh, yeah, so this is, this is really the focus at our level. We stop being practical or practicing SEOs and we become SEO consultants. Uh, and we, we start teaching people how to do SEO in their own sort of day-to-day lives without actually being SEOs. That's really interesting. You know, SEO having such a big benefit to the normal business. SEO ranking equals impressions, which equals clicks, which equals dollars. So let everybody in the company have an awareness of SEO rather than try to confine the expertise to one yeah, person. It's, it's a really good you know, environment that way because I have s- – you know, I've come from a corporate environment or enterprise environment with uh, Florida Hospital and stuff. But the the, um, the developers don't understand SEO, and then getting them to you know to work together is somewhat difficult <laughs> because they, they probably live in silos, <laughs> correct? Right, which like they do in a lot of companies. So Keith's embracing here. Let's kind of break down the silos and get developers to have an SEO awareness, get even project managers to have an SEO awareness, get writers to have an SEO awareness, designers to have an SEO awareness as well. Because if it all falls on the shoulders of one person, it's less likely to be successful. Right. Yep. You you have to have a thousand points of of securing your strategy or uh, it'll fail, you know. And in the same way, we encourage uh, cross-channel uh, collaboration as much as we possibly can because we understand that having a one-legged stool is 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 not a basis for stability either. Yeah. You know, we we can't have all of the eggs in the SEO basket. We have to have uh, we have this have to have them evenly distributed across paid channels, uh, whether it's PPC or whether it's displayed or whether it's video, uh, and also into sort of our more traditional channels where that sometimes still works quite well. And we don't want to take away from that because having as many channels. Supporting your revenue streams uh, is is vital to staying in business. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, maybe digital marketing now is becoming so important to businesses that they can at least entertain the notion of a holistic approach to digital marketing rather than a compartmental, compartmentalized, siloed approach to digital marketing. I got a guy that does this, and I got another guy that does this, and I got another guy that does this. Yeah. Right, and, and they never talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're obviously at some point, is it from the beginning, or is it is it something you, you guys meet on regularly, on a regular basis to kind of educate each other or oh we we're in constant communication as a team Mm -hmm. uh we we use slack and uh we're very much on top of everything happening in the news uh related to seo we're talking about it we're talking about any additional problems that are coming up and we don't necessarily have to meet on a regular basis in order to to get that sort of um camaraderie i guess you could call it uh, it, so it, we're, we are definitely a, a very communicative team. Uh, it's, it's really one of the strongest teams I've ever been on. And I, and I give all the credit to, to my boss for putting together such great team uh, team members. I mean, you've you've obviously heard of uh, Patrick Stocks, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other like other team members like Frank Donatone. I think he's got two books to his name. Jesse McDonald, who recently joined the team. He's an industry writer and speaker. Um, and I don't want to keep naming off other names. Uh, I know t- uh, Tanu uh, Javeri is is um, is a burgeoning writer and speaker in the industry now. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's even there's so many more that I haven't even mentioned at this point that are that are out there. They know their stuff. They know it well. Um, and really, honestly, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet too. Oh yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's a real pleasure to work with my team. Nice. All right. Well, we got to take a break real quick. Um, Alrighty. Before we leave, uh, before we take the break, I want to let you know we're going to do what is called when we get back. We're going to be doing uh, who influences the influencers. So, Keith, right. we, we want to know who influences you. All right. I'll think hard. All right. Right. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by. Hey, Robert. You're here early for the show. Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Ahrefs. Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places. Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Ahrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Ahrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool. It's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Ahrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. Ahrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to Ahrefs.com. That's Ahrefs.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smyalytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smyalytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at Smyalytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics, 
S M Y L E Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for. We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page level technical SEO and content recommendations. The project planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. Yes, guys, don't forget to visit our official sponsor, Ahrefs. Um, show your support of the show by, you know, trying the seven-day trial for $7. You can't beat that. And then also check out Pixel Cut Labs. Um, I haven't got a chance to try them yet, but I'm going to. Um, all right, so if you have questions for Keith, you can go to search talk, uh, hashtag search talk, hashtag search talk live on Twitter. I'm having trouble talking today. So Keith, who influences you? Who influences me? Um, yeah. Oh man. That, you know, I've been thinking about that since you asked the question leading up to the show and I was like, all right, who, who, um, do I read the most consistently across the web? Um, you don't have to say me. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so you don't have to say me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this Robert O'Haver guy. He's got his, he's got his game down. Um, you know, I, and this is not even self-promotional here, um, but I, I follow. Uh, I, I do follow what Patrick Stock says, but that I, I have the benefit of having him on Slack at work. Nice. Uh, one of the most um, technically. Uh, how, how can I say this? He's he's the savant of technical SEO. Probably followed shortly um, uh, by Jenny Hallis. Uh, over in the Raleigh area, uh, super super smart. Bill Hartzer uh, stays on top of a lot of stuff. Uh, very sharp guy. Um, there's just so many to name. It just really depends on which which part of the industry. Because as you know, as as we we are in the industry for a while, we we have our our niches or our niches that we we sort of start filling. Um, and you know, I have my technical SEO, and then I have my content driven SEO folks uh, that I follow as well. Um, and just um, one of the benefits of being an SEO is that you're uh, most of us are friends on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we, we get to, I guess, get spoiled by just going through our Facebook feed and seeing what all of these geniuses in their particular niches <laughs> are saying. Um, so but yeah, those those are, you know, maybe three of the of, of the top folks that I follow. Uh, in the industry, and not not even including some of my international folks like uh, like Dixon Jones, uh, who's got some exciting stuff in the works right now. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely going to keep an eye on him. Yeah, I, he retired last year, but I think uh, I keep I definitely keep an eye on him. He he tweets some good stuff. Believe it or not, he's got some fun stuff coming. I think he's going to announce at PubCon, so we'll see. Oh, nice, that's a tease, right there. <laughs> so so name those three people again for our listeners. Uh, Patrick Stocks, uh, Jenny Hallis, and Bill Hartzer. All right. Yeah. Patrick is 
very humble. He's such a nice guy. He's really super nice. <laughs> I met him at PubCon, too, and I, I should have him on the show. I've asked him before. I don't know what happened, but... <laughs> Yeah, you, you let him start, and your your brain will explode with all of these new facts, essentially. <laughs> I have to, like, take hurried notes while he's talking uh, sometimes just to sort of keep up uh, keep up with him. Let's book him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think hey, you should. Keith, speaking of your own expertise, uh, you write quite a bit about a concept called data democratization. Perfect. Yeah. Nailed it. What <laughs> is you that? Did it. Congratulations. Drop the mic. <laughs> The show's over, folks. He said the word. <laughs> Data democratization. And I didn't even realize that one of my literature friends, uh, literary friends, uh, when I when I showed them the title to my presentation at Advanced Search Summit this past week, um, which was something along the lines of um, democratization and decisions through data. Um, and they were like, oh, nice alliteration. And I didn't even notice that that, that was there, but it was there, alliteration. Um, yeah, data democratization. It's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic concept. And it goes along the lines of um, essentially democratizing SEO. But uh, the idea behind it is, is that in your organization, uh, you want to have as many people as possible to have access to as much data as possible. And this is probably going to obviously have limits. Your janitor doesn't need to know, you know, what your PPC costs were most likely. But the the, the idea behind it is is that um, your paid folks should have access to the organic data and your organic folks should have access to your display data and everyone should have access to your verbatims and your NPS scores. Um, and in that way, we can all find a way to sort of better each other so you know we've we've heard for the you know i don't know well over a decade the one plus one equals three synergy between paid and organic um and i and i feel like it's one plus one equals probably five or six or seven uh in, in many cases just depending on how well you execute as an seo i would love to see the quality scores of my ppc uh efforts I would love to see that because what I can do with that is I can figure out what pages have the lowest quality score according to Google, and then I can look at those pages and find a way to uh, make them better for the user. I can make the experience use, uh, better for the user, um, and, and maybe I can help them uh, help the pay team sort of figure out. Okay, are you really focusing on this keyword for this ad? It's not. It's not appropriate, or it doesn't work, or it's not relevant to the content that you've got on the page. Let's figure out a way that we can make the content experience better for the user. Let's drive down those, or well, drive up those quality scores and drive down those uh, those overall costs per click. So, right. that's really sort of the the idea behind um, decisions through data and democratization of data. Um, is that the the more data you put into the hands of, of your minions. Uh, of your workers, uh, the, the better decisions that can be made. And this is really another really good opportunity for you to um, instill in people uh, critical thinking, critical thinking skills, where we can sort of show people, okay, well, if we if we see this sort of response in analytics, or we, you know, we see a drop in traffic in or in in analytics, um, how can we pick apart that drop? How can we take a look at that data and figure out what the root cause of that drop might be? And it may be something as, as simple and, and, and uh, non-threatening as, um, uh, as seasonality, for example. You know, So this, you know, that would probably be the first thing, in fact, I would, I would encourage folks to look at when they see a drop in, 
in their their traffic well is the seasonal did the same thing happen you know last week last month last year um and if so well don't worry about it it's that's that's how it happens but if it if it is uh you know sort of non or not consistent with other uh periods of time then let's get to the root cause so you know democratization of data really does involve getting everyone involved but uh with sort of solutioning out uh fixes for for whatever ails you so to speak but it's also um sort of imbuing in your organization critical thinking uh skills which are are quite important uh if you get a chance you should go out to uh bitly slash seo for minions that's my deck from uh, advanced search summit and i have a i have a little matrix in there of um you know who are who are the most uh, beneficial minions in Hollywood history as it relates to villains. And then you've got your, uh, in the lowest quadrant, you've got the stormtroopers who pretty much have to be managed at all levels and still can't hit their targets. But in the in the best quadrant of that matrix are Thanos's um, Black Order, uh, his, his, his war masters, uh, who, you know, hey, guess what? Thanos was successful. Sorry, spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't watched the movie from three years ago, but, you know, or two years ago. Um, but, you know, there's a reason he was successful is because he surrounded himself self with, you know, enabled minions, minions who were able to critically think and, and get the job done. So, so Keith, this is where how do the you decisions through data comes that? from. How do you share that data? Because PPC people have a certain data that they gravitate to and surround themselves mm-hmm. in, and it doesn't look like the data that organic people do. How, <laughs> yeah. how can we create an environment where everybody has equal access to meaningful data? Is there a Slack? dashboard that you use or – Slide. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you you can certainly pull everything into a, a in uh, you know a, a compiled data set uh, from you know many different sources. Um, you know, at IBM we built something uh, called Perl that's um, that's sort of it brings in everything. It brings in our NPS, it brings in our revenue reports, it brings in PPC, it brings in organic. So you can get into a single view from there. You may have to have something built uh, in many cases, and you might have to use something like Tableau. Uh, to sort of pull it all into a single view, but certainly, you know, having that data uh, centralized and available is, is really important. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, you can use hire that. yourself hire yourself someone who's good at Tableau, and uh, and and build a, a center of excellence for your data. Data Studio. Yeah, I think Google Data Studio has really evolved, but it may not answer all of Keith's question. But I'm with you. I think, you know, one of the things the takeaways for a business owner listening to the show is I have to make an investment into a dashboard. Now, mm-hmm. what that is and what it displays, that's worthy of some conversation. But if you're not doing it now, um, in 2020, I think you got to commit to having some kind of a dashboard that you, gives you information quickly, yeah. readily, because it, you know if, if you're waiting to get your 60-day report from your web developer about what happened, uh, that you're 60 days behind by the time you react to it. There's mm-hmm. too much data out there. It's it's, yep. it's too valuable to just let it sit on somebody's desk. You know, I don't yep. want to. I don't want to go, um, Keith. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep. But I, I, I did want to ask you, what is the now? I know you work in a, in a in a tech industry, but communicating those those data points to upper management is that an issue? I mean. It, yeah, it can be if your upper management hasn't really bought into this whole search thing, right? right. Um, they're they're looking at multiple streams of revenue. Uh, they're trying to optimize for that, and 
um, really the, the way that you can get on their side, in other words, the way you can speak their language, just talk about revenue. How, how would your efforts benefit revenue? And don't talk to an executive, by the way, about saving money. Uh, I, I said this at the conference last week, but really, you guys know how executives save money? How? Oh, it's called layoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. this, this, this is how a, 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 an executive of any company is, is really going to figure out a way to save money. He's going to look at his cost overhead. And, well, one of the most expensive things you can have as cost overhead are employees, uh, especially full-time employees, where you think about the salary and then add 30% for benefits. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, a lot of people think, well, I just earn, I don't know, uh, 70K. Well, no, you earn 70K plus 30%. Uh, and so that those are all expenses that an executive, uh, if given the go-ahead from his finance team, would be very happy to get rid of. Right. So Thus the evolution of the gig economy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how we got here, right? Yeah. Uh, because enough people got laid off and they're like, well, let me figure out a way I can make money without having to be beholding to someone. Um, but, you know, so talk about new sources of revenue. Talk about ways they can recover lost revenue. Um, when you're talking to them. And and you have to have your ducks in a row to do that. You have to have an idea of what the value of what you do as an SEO is before you can go to an executive and and offer them this sort of pitch. So getting them on board with your data is is the first and foremost thing. And getting them to understand the value of what you do is, is also important. Once you get that, that's really the linchpin there because that's going to tie it all together. You're going to get all sorts of priority. You're going to get your budgeting. You're going to get your resources if you're able to sell it to the executive level at that point. As, as SEO or any sort of digital marketing becomes a priority for the, for the CEO or the CMO of a company, it becomes a priority for the entire team. So you wouldn't dabble in the details? You know what I'm saying? It's like visual representations of data so that they understand easier or yeah i don't want to say i don't want to say kindergarten it but you kind of do have to kindergarten it right <laughs> puppet, they, puppets. Ex- executives like the the charts that go up and to the right or is that up, yeah up and to the right um that those are their favorite kinds of charts um but and what you might find though is i i worked with a guy back at dell uh and and john did not want you to dumb it down for him he wanted he, he, he told me all the time, he goes, just give me the Excel sheet. I will work with this data. Because <laughs> he was very passionate about data, and he wanted to see the exact numbers. He didn't want me to sort of give him a, a blanket number and go, here's your plus green-colored percentage point. <laughs> right. But at the, at the end of the day, though, so, SEO is just like any other marketing channel. Sure. We, we mystify it. But if you're dealing with a client who historically bought radio or historically bought television or newspaper – it's all going to come down to it's got to drive sales, and you have to be able to prove that SEO is going to do that. Rankings, by the way, are not something they really glom onto. It's, no. it's clicks and leads. Right? What have you done for me lately? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, clicks and leads. Yeah, if, if you cannot, well, sales. Yeah, if you cannot give them a ranking report that means anything to them, I wouldn't use it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that your, your ranking report should only – edify the overall numbers of what this is going to do in terms of driving additional traffic and leads. I have a very vivid memory uh, here in Central Florida of competing for a piece of business and the client showed me their report from their previous vendor 
and the uh, client said, look at all these number one things that they had me rank for. I'm number one. And, you know, and the list was a laundry list of about 23 Unpro- things. Not provided. And, you know, and most of them were <laughs> brand-related names. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest were phrases that nobody searched for. Yeah. And yep. I thought, wow, you're really being hoodwinked here. So we're going to have to change the yep. conversation or you're not going to see our value. Yep. Yeah, it's it's nuts. There There's so many games that agencies play that are – not all of them. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There are definitely the ones you get from like an email blast or whatever. Yeah. And when you, when you, as an agency, when you pitch a client, I always ask to see their previous report. Sure. Always. And it's just fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. It's like learning a new language each time I do it. And, you know, credits out there to all the agencies out there who are finding different ways to spin results. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's a very creative end of the business re- reporting. Yeah, but if you, it would be nice <laughs> if you had all your clients give you the previous person's reports because that's all the bullets you need. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd say it happens like 70% of the time because yeah. in 70% of the time they don't really understand it, so they're more than willing to hand it off to somebody who can potentially interpret it for them. Yeah. Or they don't totally Indeed. don't know what's on there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Where are we at now? Well, I do want to ask Keith before we go because I know we're winding down. Because Keith, uh, IBM mm-hmm. obviously sells a little bit direct to consumers, and it sells direct uh, to other businesses primarily. In your mind, does SEO differ B2B and B2C? Oh, yes, 100%. Because the, the journey is much more complicated on, on the B2B level. Uh, so I, I've worked B2C uh, before, and IBM is, is almost exclusively, as far as I know, uh, B2B. Um, and, and really... What you find is that the buyer's journey is shorter at the B2C level, especially for the smaller purchase purchases. So, you know, someone who's who's going to spend five hundred dollars on your product is is going to take less of a a, a journey than someone who's going to spend a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars for your product or service uh, as a B2B business. Um, and this is, you know, as I mentioned, the the, the twelve. Um, touch points leading up to an actual use of a, of a brand name. Um, that that's quite significant whereas i i gotta be frank i don't know the b2c number but i i, I just intuitively speaking I, I i know that it's it's less it's less so if someone's looking for a laptop they might have to look for they might search five times before they they finally settle on dell inspiron or something like that uh as, as their their purchase option um but um 100 different uh it, it's 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 a different uh, type of person, it's much easier for a consumer to pull, reach into their wallet and pull out a credit card than it is for, uh, you know, a, um, I don't know, a, a chief information security officer to get a purchase order for uh, a, a new rack of servers or uh, a new cloud solution for, for security. Uh, so it, it's definitely different. Keith, we're winding down, but I got to ask you this, as immersed in SEO as you are, what is the one SEO myth that you still think is clinging to life despite all objective factual evidence against it? Well, I already mentioned LSI keywords. Those are always funny to me <laughs> to hear when, when people talk about that. I also uh, – you know what I also really have a, a real problem with is is um, is the idea of um, – and I've also mentioned this – is that frequency of, of posting content – is the key to success in SEO, and that really is 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 only true insofar as uh, the type of content you're producing. So, query deserves freshness, or the QDF from years ago, 
does not it doesn't apply to evergreen content. There is a great need online for evergreen content, um, but there's also a need for fresh content, and they're they're handled separately uh, from Google. So again, it's not how often you publish; it's how often you publish in relation to how often your users need additional content. Um, so just you know, don't obsess over this perfect ideal number. It doesn't exist. It's it's whatever it is for your specific users. Uh, at all time, and also, um, I hate I hate the word or I hate the acronym TFIDF. I know it's it's a, <laughs> but I feel like people who use TFIDF all the time are people that are trying to impress you with their ability their ability to remember a um, a five uh, character acronym. acronym. <laughs> I love that. All right, well, yeah, it, Keith, it is time for believe it or leave it. And believe it or leave it, Keith, is the time, okay, our perfect. favorite part of the show, when we give you three statements we found on the Internet, so you know they got to be true. And we're going to ask you to tell our listeners whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. And I want to mm. remind you these were taken from actual pieces of content on the Internet. Are you ready? Joy, joy, yes. <laughs> okay. Number one, you should always delete blog content that has not generated any organic traffic after six months. Believe it or leave it. <laughs> leave that. Leave it. <laughs> Literally. No, no validation to that at all? Um, I, I don't believe that's true at all. And, and what I find is, especially when it comes to uh, the, the, the loyalty loop or, or dealing with customers after the sale, uh, you know, you might have a support article, for example, that is only searched once a year because you got one person that still has this old product that you have. But they desperately need that. And the fact if you delete that off your site, you're, you're limiting your ability to service that need. So six months, I think that's too short of a time to, to really um, – I mean, there's, there's going to be some benefit. Now, this is assuming that you've written the content in good faith and that you've written something that you think someone will need. Um, if you've written something just for the sake of writing it and it's been six months and you've got no traffic, I mean, maybe maybe believe it, but you shouldn't do that anyway. You should rewrite it. and Yeah, and in the, <laughs> in the author's defense, it was, he was making a somewhat interesting argument. It was about crawl budget, and he oh, was God. making the case that if your, page, your website is full of pages that are bringing no value, you're just, in some cases, preventing the bot from getting consistently to the content that could be bringing value. There's a root problem there that they're yeah. not addressing, and that's you're writing content for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Good answer. Yep. Yeah. All right. Question number two. A high bounce rate of a page does not, does not negatively impact organic ranking. Uh, I would believe that, yes. And, and, in fact, John Mueller has said this extensively. And I've been on sites where the, the bounce rate was 80% or higher, and, it, you know, it didn't hurt us. Um, <laughs> It's just that in many cases, what you find is users are coming to a page, they're getting what they want within 30 seconds, and they're leaving. Yep. Uh, it doesn't mean you haven't answered the question. It may mean that you've answered it really well. You did it really well, and you did it really fast. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I think bounce rate's really one of the more misunderstood metrics and most misused metrics. It is. Yep. Yes, it definitely is. And, and, you know, there might be some tweaks that could be done to that article. I mean, obviously, like Keith said, it's not bad. But, like, if you're a service-oriented business and you're answering that question, they leave, there is no conversion rates or anything, <laughs> you might want to make some changes to maybe improve that. Make sure know? they have the opportunity yeah. to convert yeah. right. on that. Make sure they have opportunity to go deeper into the site. With, right. You know, Absolutely. Look at your engagement rates more than, more than your bounce rates. Yeah. 
have to confess that this next one comes from the same author as number one. Okay. <laughs> but uh, number, number three, <laughs> never – that's his statement – never update content on your website that is ranking number one. Hmm. Um, I mean, again, you're, you're focused on the SERPs. You're not focused on the user in that case. Does it warrant an update? I, if it does, then do it. And I would say leave that advice in the, in the dust. Um, you know, the, again, it's all back to motivation. It's all about why you're, why would you update this? If it makes sense to do it, do it. Uh, yeah. I, I would say. Yeah, and this was, by the way, an interesting article. I have to make sure I get it to you, Robert. But he was making the case, uh, the author was, that you know we know what we know about Google, but that isn't what we don't know about Google, right? So he's saying every time you make a change, you create risk, you create opportunity for something to go bad because of the unknown, and we tend to focus on the, in quotes, known of what's happening. So yeah, but he, says, he says the risk ratio, in his mind, was not in your favor. But typically, if a site is like sitting there for like three to six months, it's not going to move if you're improving it, you know. And he's saying, what is improving? We there's more that we don't know about the algorithm that we do, and he said it simply creates risk. That was his point. Yeah. Well, that gets to my uh, my tattoo. If you guys are interested in my (laughs) tattoo, well, we're going to ask you about your tattoo for the show. Now, do you have another tattoo that you were going to share with us? No, no. no okay. Tattoo. All right. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know how personal we were getting on the show, but it is time for the Search Talk Live tattoo, Keith, where we're going to ask you for your most succinct, most compelling piece of advice based on the show's content today, and it has to be tattooable. Absolutely. And, and a short ink supply at that. Yes. Chase the user. Chase the That's, user. Yes. Yeah. That is an awesome tattoo. Yeah. I mean, it, it works for SEOs and for meth dealers, but, you know, it, it, it really uh, – <laughs> <laughs> it really does apply across the board you know chasing the user not the algorithm i guess if you wanted to spend a little bit more ink you could do that but you know when i hear this advice that you, you just gave and it's all focused on the algorithm i i i feel bad because i i'm very user oriented and i think we should all be user oriented when i hear people yeah. like oh well the algorithm we know this about it well stop it just stop it okay or google's the, gonna they're gonna change soon. Or, or have the algorithm chase you Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the way that we're finishing the show on that note because I know your experience is like mine is that business owners on the on the non enterprise level, you know, they're they're not focused on the algorithm, they're focused on the sale, the sale, the sale. Yeah. They're not focused on the customer. Mm-hmm. And they don't mm-hmm. really yep. spend time thinking through what are the prospects problems that they can solve. They yeah. want to sell, they want to sell, they want to sell like they did in the nineteen nineties and the early two thousands and the nineteen eighties. They simply haven't adapted to trying to solve a prospect's yep. problem. And I think that's why I do this because <laughs> I love that challenge. Yeah, I mean, and I think Keith is the same way. If, right? you, if you find satisfaction in helping people, then digital marketing is a great career for you because really yeah. blow away all the, the yep. dust. And what do you got to do? You really have to stay focused on helping people. Right. Yep. And Keith does that a lot yeah. at his conferences. <laughs> yeah, Keith, where are you going to sp- be speaking that's next? Right. Where are you going to be speaking? I'll be speaking next? at PubCon in Las Vegas. Yeah, PubCon Pro Las Vegas. I will be speaking uh, in a couple of sessions. Uh, I'll be, be doing site reviews, and then I'll be talking about in-house content strategies with, with fellow IBMer Topher Cohan from the uh, from the weather company. Uh, nice. And then I'll be moderating two sessions and a track chair and a bunch of other stuff. So come on out and see me. Um, I don't know if discount codes still apply, but if you need one, let me know. So are you doing search awards too? US I am, yeah. Well, 
judge, judge on the U.S. Search Awards. I uh, looked at what, three categories this time. And uh, so if you're at the U.S. Search Awards, say hello. Yeah, they're back-to-back, aren't they? Yep, uh, simultaneous. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Or well, concurrent. I don't know. Yeah. I want to thank you for being on the show again, Keith. We, You are always welcome back here. Uh, we enjoy having you. Thank you. Good content. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank right. you very much. Yes. Thanks, thanks. Keith. Thanks, Keith. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great one, guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being listening to the show. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show and you're interested and you have what it takes to be on the show, like Keith, <laughs> the, the round three for him, uh, you can send me an email, Robert at Search Talk Live or Matt at Search Talk Live. Uh, we'd be happy to uh, entertain what you might have to uh, talk about on the show. And uh, also, if you're interested in being a sponsor of the show, uh, hit me up at Robert at Search Talk Live as well. And you have questions you want answered on, uh, you can go on, you can email me personally. I know some SEOs are embarrassed to ask questions on social media because they want to, you know. Be anonymous, kind of. Yeah, they want more anonymous. So they're not other SEOs are looking at them going, oh, you don't know that? You know, yeah. that type of thing. So you can email me personally or Matt. Uh, we'd love to answer any questions you have, or you can do the hashtag search talk live. If you have no problem asking your questions live on the, uh, on Twitter, we can ask our guests the questions there. And we've got a fairly well-known guest next week, right? We do. I'm so glad you brought that up because I almost forgot to mention it. Next week, guys, get your questions in. Please email them to me. We have John Mueller on the show from Google. He's the webmaster trends analyst at Google uh, Switzerland. And uh, he's going to be on the show answering quest- your questions and our questions. I've got some schema stuff. <laughs> really looking forward to that one. John Muller next week on Search Talk Live. Thanks a lot, everybody. See Take you next care. Week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live, or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.